Hello, everyone, and thank you for checking out the very first episode of the Flying P Podcast, where I'll be joined with guest co-hosts every episode for some very insightful and educated prospect talk. Our show will be primarily based around flyer prospects, but our hosts and guests will be extremely knowledgeable about prospects from all leagues located all over the world. Uh, before I say any more, let me introduce you to our star co-host for episode one, none other than Dan Silver of the Getting Bullied podcast and Phileas Flyer and Manny Benavidez of Brotherly Puck. Guys, it's an extreme pleasure to be hanging out with you tonight. How uh, how are we holding up? Yeah, we're holding up good. It's, it's uh, This is Dan here. It's a pleasure to be on with with you, Manny, and uh, yeah, you know, it's crazy times, man, but uh, we can, uh, it's, it's no better time to talk about prospects, because there's not exactly live game action for the Flyers to talk about. Absolutely. Manny, how you feeling over there, brother? Not too bad, man, up here in, uh, just outside Toronto, but uh, obviously uh, we're feeling the craziness too, like you guys are down there, and hopefully uh, you guys and your families are all safe, and I know we're missing hockey, but that's why we're here, to talk some hockey tonight. Yeah, hopefully get some people's minds off what's going on. You know, people got the news on 24-7, take a break and listen to some hockey talk. Uh, I did want to ask you, what's what's the vibe like up there? I just heard Toronto kind of close things down till through June. Yeah, I mean, listen, it's, it's a be safe rather than sorry approach. And uh, that was a city of Toronto decision, so... Um, some big events like the uh, the Gay Pride uh, Parade is a massive event in Toronto that's going to be impacted. But mm. from everything that I can tell, uh, the NHL uh, and the Raptors will not be affected for some reason. I, I, don't, I think sporting events are like an exception. I think it's City of Toronto events. They are, okay. They're banning for now. Oh, okay. That makes sense then. I, I get it. So it's like it's more precautionary thing, things that, you know, don't have to happen type deal. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah, pretty much. Okay. Well, with uh, no further ado, uh, let's get talking to some prospects, guys. So the Flyers made some big signings uh, last week in Tanner Lachinsky and Wade Allison uh, signing their entry-level contracts. I believe Lachinsky was signed on – is it Lachinsky or Lazinski? Because I'm going to be doing this all show, messing guys' names up. I think it's Lazinski. Lazinski, Okay. Yeah, Lazinski signed on the 23rd. Uh, solid prospect. Let me pull up my stuff here. Dan, if you want to talk about Tanner for a second. Yeah, you know, these are guys that's interesting because normally, and I think Kevin Hayes is a good example of, I think he played through his senior year of college before signing, but typically you see a lot of these top college prospects sign with an NHL team after their freshman year or their sophomore season. And you usually think of the guys who don't sign until after their senior season. Maybe they're not quite as there's, there's something there that's like, there's a reason they they're not um, haven't signed before then. And so Wade Allison, a very good prospect. He was a second round draft pick in 2016. He's kind of like a Scott Hartnell type. Uh, he's, he's just, a, he's an agitator He's got a lot of talent. He's very heavy on the puck. He's got a really good shot. Uh, he's just he 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 really plays a similar game to Scott Hartnell. He's probably not you know Hartnell scored twenty plus goals I think six or seven times in the NHL. So that's that's obviously something that Allison is. That would be the complete ceiling for Wade Allison. Um, but he's had injury problems, so that's why he hasn't 
signed the Flyers before now, in my opinion. He's he's had a, a tours ACL has kind of um, had a tough time getting back from that. When he's played this year, he put together like a really nice five game point streak after he came back uh, from the knee problem. He looked really good over the summer in the Flyers um, development camp. And so he's a guy that honestly, it's all about health for Wade Allison. If Wade Allison can stay healthy, he's got second line upside. He's an agitator. Flyers fans are going to love him. Tanner Lazinski, it's, I don't really know why Tanner Lazinski stayed in college for all four seasons, other than the fact that, you know, his sophomore season, he put up big numbers. He's kind of more like a, his upside's more, I'd say, third line. Um, he's a good player, though. He's kind of like a poor man, Scott Lawton. He's a good skater. He's a good finisher. He was alternate captain for Ohio State, so he's got good leadership skills. Um, he's, and again, these guys, you're talking 22-year-olds, right? I mean, Joel Ferry was in the NHL this season. He's a 19-year-old. So these guys are older. They're 22 years old. Lazinski honestly could step right in on the Flyers team as a fourth liner, maybe even a third liner next season. These are both guys that have, very good NHL potential, and I had both of them in the top 10 of my Flyers prospects list, which will be coming out hopefully the next few weeks. Wow. I mean, so it's it's interesting you brought up their age because I, I mentioned this last night on High and Wide with Jack and Kyle. Um, you know, some prospects are going to be moving up next year, you know, potentially playing with the Phantoms or potentially with the Flyers, depending on how they do in camp. Um, both Allison and Lazinski spent four years in school they'll be 22 I, I i think i saw that allison will turn 23 next october i mean yes they'll be rookies but kind of a little bit up there in age so my my wonder was how long will they spend with the phantoms if they don't make the flyers out of camp which i would assume is the more likely scenario that they wouldn't you know would it be a year with the phantoms and then you know what happens then yeah, and I think for me, the thing that bothered me, I'm, I'm really happy that they got Lisinski and Allison signed. I just thought, uh, listen, going for myself, when you're an 18-year-old kid and you get your name called at an NHL draft by any team, I don't care what team it is, you got your family there, it's a huge event, and you know, my first inkling is, hey, let's let's get this done. Let's sign that ELC. Let's get going. I want to go to training camp. I want to work out all summer. I want to do all those right things. And, you know, I know the NCAA route is a bit different. Um, and it's not a bad uh, way by any means. Um, these guys are going to have their man bodies, as uh, Jim, Jim <laughs> always say, uh, by the time they finish. I was just more worried about the fact that these guys waited until their fourth year, until their senior year, in order to sign. And there's always that little, you know, nagging, you know, voice in my head that says, you know, what if there's another team out there that wants to snag them? What if there's another team that, you know, a Wade Allison or a Tanner Lazinski might get tempted to go to if they think that they're going to get a, you know, more playing time or a better opportunity if they feel them and their representation feel that that would be the case. I'm glad Chuck, again, I, I'm really happy. He got both these guys signed. Uh, I can't say enough about what this guy's done since coming to this team. Really pleasantly surprised. Lisinski, I'm, everything that I've seen and read about him is he's an excellent two-way player and he's an assistant captain on the Buckeyes. So he's got that leadership quality. Uh, with Allison, it's, it's all the stuff that uh, Dan was talking about. 
you know, he's an agitator. He is a goal scorer, but he's had the, you know, the ACL, the knee injury. I think for me with Allison, and I know that he still has said uh, as recently as I think it was February or January that he still feels it in his knee sometimes. Mm. Um, Really, that tells you a lot about the player, though. If you can come back from a devastating injury and come back to, you know, close to peak performance or peak performance, that tells you a lot about the dedication that this young man has. And I'm glad that he's in orange and black for the, you know, the near future. I think they both signed, what, two-year ELCs, which is common for, you know, graduating college players. And uh, you know what? Worst case scenario is the Phantoms are going to have an infusion of young talent uh, next year, and they desperately need it. That's a very good point. Uh, they struggled this year. I expected the uh, the opposite, to be honest with you guys. You know, the the guy we're going to talk about next, I, I expected to make a huge impact down there in in Lehigh, having been uh, you know playing healthy all season long in uh, German Rupsov. Uh, last year, his season got cut short due to injury. This year, I was expecting big things. It looked like he had a solid camp with the Flyers. Uh, was with the team for a, a cup of coffee there for a while. Uh, and then went back down to the Phantoms. And going by his numbers, struggled a bit. Uh, Dan, your thoughts on German Rupsov? Yeah, Rupsov is one of these guys. I probably, I'm probably going to get some heat for putting him too low on my top 20 list i just you know i get frustrated with these guys who can't seem to overcome injuries and you couple that with the fact that rupsov has actually his his production has never matched up with his first round status with with the exception of two small sample sizes so he basically the flyers drafted him he's a first round pick in 2016 he did nothing in the KHL, which is Russia's top professional league. Then he came over and played in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. And in a, a short 16-game stint with, uh, I don't even pronounce it, Chikatimi. Probably Manny's got the better pronunciation than I do on that one. But Shikudami. Um, so he came over, played in the Quebec League with Shikudami, and he put up 22 points in 16 games at the end of the season. It was a really good small sample size production uh, from him. But the next season, his production really stalled out and in, in the Canadian juniors. I and mean, you're talking about a guy who's a first-round pick. You're really expecting that his, his draft plus one season, his 19-year-old season, he's going to put up big numbers. And Rupsov simply didn't. In 49 games in the Quebec League, he only had 43 points below a point-a-game average. It's, it's, not, it's not impressive at all. It's, uh, and there are you know, he, he's just never been able to get over the injuries either. So then he turns pro last season as a 20-year-old, and in 14 games in the AHL, he does really well. He put up 10 points, uh, you know, 0.67 points a game is really good for a 20-year-old first-year pro, but then he had a shoulder injury, which put him out for the entire season. He comes back this year. He looked really good in development camp. He always looks good in development camp. And then... Uh, Flyers training camp. He looked really good. He got a little uh, cup of coffee with the Flyers early on in the season. Looked out of place. Didn't look great. Goes down to Lehigh Valley and scores two goals in 42 games and also has injury problems. So Rupsov is a guy that, like, I just I can't have confidence in this guy to become a solid NHL contributor because a his Production levels have never matched his status as a first-round draft pick in anything longer than a 20-game sample size. 
and B, he can't stay healthy. So I just, these are the kinds of prospects that I just, I don't have a lot of patience for. He's still obviously a pretty young guy, but the Flyers have so many good forward prospects that I just don't know what to think about his future with this organization. Many thoughts. Yeah, I, I agree wholeheartedly with what Dan said about Rupsov. He's fallen dramatically in my eyes. Um, if you recall in that 2016 draft, the Flyers had the 18th overall selection and we traded down. Um, so Winnipeg ended up getting, we switched, we swapped with the Winnipeg Jets and we ended up picking him, uh, German Rupsov at 22. And uh, I remember when they traded down, I thought for sure Kiefer Bellows was going to be there for the Flyers. We, we needed that goal-scoring threat. Uh, he seemed like a perfect fit. He's got an NHL pedigree with his dad. And then I know that Kiefer Bellows hasn't lit the world on fire either with the New York Islanders organization, but it is what it is. The Flyers obviously made that choice to trade down because – to them, they thought that everybody in the next five, six, seven picks was pretty much the same or really close. And, you know, all that stuff about Rupsov, you'll, you'll remember, was about, you know, his team, the Russian team at the World Juniors was caught doping. And there was a whole scandal with, you know, steroids and other kinds of things. And Hextall kept saying over and over again, listen, we did our due diligence. We interviewed this guy. He's a good kid. It's a bad situation. He's solid. He's going to be good. You know what? I'm just I'm sitting here and, and it seems that he's always on the injury list. He always comes in and has a great camp, as Dan mentioned. Uh, beat reporters have always said that he looks NHL ready, like he looks like he's got the size and the frame ready to go. And I know that he's worked on you know the defensive side of his game uh, pretty well over the last year or so. But the offense just isn't there. And it's he is a frustrating prospect for me he's one of the most frustrating prospects actually in the system and for me because you look at other guys and i know we're going to get to him later but you know jay o'brien had a pretty nasty injury too when he was in college and everybody kind of never let him forget that one college year and and yet rupsoff continues year after year with these injuries and injuries and injuries and lack of production and it's it's just frustrating that you know we're in that spot he's he's 21 years of age i, I would have figured that he would have made the nhl club by now and I got to be figuring that his time is going to be running out soon if he doesn't make that jump. You know, that's a, that's a good point there because it makes me wonder with the Flyers have a lot of guys now coming through the pipeline. And, and I mean, like, it's almost like it's almost kind of getting jammed up where they're sending, you know, second round picks to the Reading Royals, you know, and, and a guy like Pascal LaBerge, who I think we're going to get to a little bit later on. But they, in my opinion, and you guys can tell me, it seems like they're going to have to start making some tough decisions with some of these guys. And, you know, Rupsov, at least for me, it's easy to forget that he was a first-round pick, you know, in a draft where they took him and LaBerge before Carter Hart in the second round, I believe. Um, I don't know. It's I, I was a Rupsov guy. I really wanted things to work out for him. I'm not 100% giving up on him. I figure, you know, we'll give him one more year just to see. But it's almost to that point where it's like you're going to have to make a move because guys are starting to come up behind him now. You know, that cupboard's full and it's starting to overflow a little bit, I think. So great points on Rupsov, guys. But I, I think, you know, it might be, you know, next year or, or it's it for him. Yeah, uh, and, and just to go into what you were just saying, Jim, they do have to make decisions on some of these guys because mm -hmm. if you give these guys too long, 
other teams are going to know that, you know, eh, this guy's kind of been, you know, languishing in the AHL here and not really doing much. And he's always hurt. You, yeah. At some point, you've got to make a decision. And you're right. you got to start clearing the way for some of these other prospects to make their way up the system and give them a shot. It's yes. just got to happen. And, you know, another thing about that is, you know, Fletcher, since he's come over and, and Manny, to your point, every single move he's made is the move that I think, you know, as fans, we've expected him to make. He hasn't done anything, you know, overboard, but he also hasn't done anything, you know, to where it's like, man, he should do this. Like he's done everything on the list where he should have done, I, I think, if you get what I mean. Um, next, it's kind of like, all right, got to clear some space so these guys can come up. Um and, you know, Rupsov might be on his way out. Uh, my point was, though, that he didn't move any picks. He still has all his picks for this this year's coming draft. You know, he didn't make any uh, any foolish trades at the deadline and whatnot. So it's only going to get even even fuller coming up the, after this summer. Uh, next guy on the list here. Let me just pull that up real quick. Uh, Jay O'Brien. Manny, you mentioned Jay O'Brien. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, look. Jay O'Brien gets uh, a bit of a rap, and I, and I know that rap comes with him being a late first-round pick, um, 20, 2017, 2018? I believe 2018. 2018, yeah, because that was the, the same draft they took Farabee earlier. Yes. And everyone kind of figured, okay, so they took the forward, so now they're going to go for a defenseman, and that defenseman was probably going to be Keandre Miller, who went to the Rangers, of course. Hmm. And he went to the Rangers because, well, Ron Hextall selected Jay O'Brien from Thayer Academy from high school. Um, it's so difficult to project what a high school player is going to be. And regardless of what anybody says about the, the, the skill level, the talent level is there. And more so his compete level. He, he is a hardworking player. Um, the thing that I noticed right away, and it happened after this for, after his first year of NCAA with Providence, he had a horrific year in terms of his injuries and he didn't really get uh, too many points on the board. I know I saw like one or two highlight reel uh, offensive plays that he's made in that first year of NCAA, but he really had a bad season and he kind of had to take a step back and reevaluate what he was going to do. He, he definitely wanted to change schools and he ended up choosing Boston university and committing uh, there. So he's going to be playing there in the fall, but once you've gone to NCAA, you can't go to Canadian Major Junior. So the OHL, WHL, and the Q is automatically off the table. So he had to go to the BCHL. Mm. And I thought it was kind of interesting that, you know, I'm pretty sure that his uh, coach at Thayer Academy was Tony Amante. Oh, wow. I believe. I believe. Uh, and he broke all kinds of offensive records from, you know, Jeremy Roenick, Antonio Monte. And I'm sure that they had a big role in kind of whispering in, you know, in the Flyers brasses years about, you know, Hey, this kid's really good. You got to take him. But he ended up going, you know, across the continent and playing in the BCHL, which is a lower, lower tier league. There's no doubt about it. But before he started playing, everyone was like, Oh, well, I fully expect him to get, you know, two points per game and dominate that league. And it's like, okay, that's, I understand why you'd say that. He's an older player playing against younger players. But at the same time, you also got to get into the psychology of what this guy, what this young man went through. He went through an injury plagued season where he was just battered at the NCAA level. 
And now he's kind of got to refocus and readjust and reset and try to get his career back on track. And, you know, you look this year, he was doing really well at the beginning of the season. He's growing and getting better every single game. Uh, he had a, you know, a lower body injury, missed 12 games. And he ended up finishing the season. He was in second place in the scoring race for most of the BCHL season. He ended up finishing, uh, I believe he was tied for fourth in scoring. He had uh, 25 goals, 66 points in 46 games. He had a 1.43 points per game average. So it wasn't the two that everybody thought. So right away, he's a bust in, in people's eyes. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he had a good season. Uh, the one thing I wanted to see from him is I wanted him to be the anti-Rupsov. I didn't want to see him continually get hurt and hurt and hurt. And then it derails his career completely where he's always playing catch up and never getting there. He did have the one injury, but then you look at the playoffs and, you know, I didn't really hear too many people talking about it, but in the first round, they won their first round match against West Kelowna in five games. And in five games, he had 10 points. He had five goals, five assists. He was dominant. Like he was a solid player. He hit the two points per game mark. There you go. Um, and yet everybody still kind of, you know, he is the most divisive prospect in our system. There's people either love him and by, by no means don't love him, but I don't think he's a first line player. But to sit there and call him a bust, to sit there and say, oh, well, he's maybe a fourth liner, you can't really say that. I think he's a middle six guy. And I think the real test is going to come in the fall when he goes back to you know college, when he goes to Boston University, and he's going to start playing against those guys with the man bodies. He's a plucky player. <laughs> he's, uh, you know what, he got a lot of penalty minutes this year. He's, he got you know, game misconduct. He got a, a game suspension as well. You know what, he, he plays with an edge. And... I kind of want to see that from him. I know he made the uh, world junior team, uh, I think it was two years ago, and he was a third-line player. And I could definitely see him as a third-liner. I want to He's see a if fifth, he could do a fifth little fifth-line player for that world junior team. He was stapled to the bench after the first game for the entire tournament. Was he? Then I'm thinking of a showcase or something? Yeah, maybe? he was great, and he was great in the summer showcase. Okay. Yeah, regardless, though, I, I think I – think you know, second line is not out of the question. I think the big the big test is going to come in the fall uh, when he goes back to NCAA hockey. And then we're going to see what happens with Jay O'Brien. So here's what I would say about Jay O'Brien. And I actually, I probably like O'Brien more than most. The, the problem with O'Brien is that we just don't know. Because when he was drafted, he put up huge numbers at Fair Academy, which is basically the equivalent of high school hockey. So you're drafting a kid in the first round based on high school hockey where he's playing against opposition that he is a lot better than, right? Okay. And that summer that they drafted him, I was really impressed with him at development camp. And then, as Manny mentioned, he goes to the summer showcase, and I thought he was terrific. He, had a, he was better than Farabee in that summer showcase for Team USA. He had a play where he went in to the corner going after the puck, and Kalen Addison, who is a second-round pick from the Pittsburgh Penguins, kind of came at him and was going to hit him. And Jay O'Brien, in vintage Jeremy Roenick form, literally stopped thinking about the puck, and he leveled Kalen Addison. It's just great, because Addison's a, a Penguins prospect, and here's O'Brien drilling him. Uh, and O'Brien scored two goals in one of the games also. He looked really good. But the problem is, is that 
all the times that he's put up big numbers in high school against totally inferior competition. Then he goes to college and he was not good. I mean, he, he had some injuries, but he wasn't injured at the beginning of the season and he did not look great. Um, so then he leaves college and he goes to play in the BCHL, which is not only players that are much younger than him, but inferior competition. So it's kind of unfair to judge him on that. But for example, Jay O'Brien averaged 1.43 points a game. That's really impressive. However, he's 20 years old. There's another 20-year-old in that league, Philip LaPointe, who averaged 1.53 points a game. Philip LaPointe wasn't even drafted. So there are guys who had better production than Jay O'Brien in the same league, the same age, who literally were not drafted. There's a 19-year-old who had more points than him, a year younger, and was not drafted. So I don't know how you can possibly take anything away from that when he's playing against such inferior competition. So I do still have hopes that Jay O'Brien will become like a second or third line player with the Flyers, but you just don't know because he's not playing against the types of players that you need to see him play against. So I totally agree with Manny that next year he's going to be, I don't know if he'll be a junior or a sophomore, but he's going to be 20 years, 21 years old playing against mainly younger guys in college, and we're really going to kind of see what he's got. To this point, you just don't know because he hasn't performed against the same age players. Is it fair to say that next year he has to he has to produce? He can't have a he can't have a down year back in school. I don't think you ever say like has to, but but I mean you know he. It, if, if he stays healthy, he's he's going to have to perform at at least a, I'd say, 0.75 to one point a game type of pace to keep his status as a top 10 prospect in the organization. That's what I would say. I think that's yeah. fair. Yeah, I think a 0.75 point per game pace going back to Boston, going into Boston University brand new um, is fair. You. I still think, though, that, you know what, drafting a guy out of high school, you have to automatically know that the trajectory for him to make the NHL is still it's 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 longer than, you know, a typical prospect. You look at some of the recent guys that have been drafted out of high school, Mark Jankowski, Calgary. I mean, they knew when they drafted him, he was going to be a project. And you know what? He really hasn't panned out at all. Um What's the name of the kid from uh, Buffalo who had that the high hopes? Casey Middlestat. Um, oh, yeah. And I know I, I still believe Middlestat. in him too. But Buffalo obviously brought him up way too early, way too soon. And uh, you know what? He's been struggling to, uh, to fit in uh, against the bigger competition. I really want to see him just have a, a good season, avoid, you know, major injuries. And, you know, as Dan said, you know, hopefully a 0.75. I still think that he's about three years. I think he's got about two years of college and then one year in the AHL or it's reverse one year of college and two in the AHL before he makes the flyers. Just to really quickly play devil's advocate before we move on. Jay O'Brien though, when they drafted him was seven months older than Joel Farabee and weighed 20 pounds more. So in many ways, when I watched Jay O'Brien play at development camp and in the summer showcase, you could have made the argument that he is actually more NHL ready from a physicality and age standpoint than a guy like Joel Farabee. 
I think he had the opportunity in college to, you know, to, to, to excel and he, he just didn't. So I, you know, I, I, I think that O'Brien had the, had the tools to really excel in college and I guess just injuries and, and whatever he didn't, but, um, you know, he's some guys you talk about his projects cause they're like an Isaac Ratcliffe where they're six, four, and they need to grow into their frame and whatnot. I, I, I saw Jay O'Brien play, and I thought to myself, this is a guy who has the compete level and the physicality of someone who could play in the NHL. As did I. I think, I think part of it, though, is I, I hate to try to you know, go into his mind and kind of you know, read his psychology here, but you know, he went to Penticton in BC, you know, far, far away from the East Coast. He's playing on a team with Tristan Amante, Tony Amante's son. Uh, so he's got a little bit of familiarity there. You know, it's kind of a good thing. You know, I don't know how familiar he was with the players and the coaching staff over uh, in Providence, the first go around in NCAA. But it seems like the the V's especially pride themselves on being a nice, safe place to play hockey. Uh, he was there with somebody that he knew, obviously, and who's very familiar with the Flyers. And he's he's got other NHL uh, pedigree guys there, too. Uh, uh, Scott Niedermeyer's son plays on the team. Mike Sillinger's son plays on the team. Like, there's he's learning. He's learning from a lot of different guys there. And overall, it was a good experience for him. I just I, I know it's an inferior league. I just wish that people wouldn't just crap all over him. Next year, I think, is going to be a much truer test and we're going to get a much clearer picture of what Gio O'Brien is going to be. You know, I, I would, I would say for maybe the average, uh, Flyers fan, when O'Brien was selected, a lot of people, including myself kind of scratched, scratched our heads, you know? Um, and then he had kind of a subpar year, uh, over in Providence and then made the decision to play for Penticton and, you know, you hear it's a lesser league and this and that. It's kind of like, man, like they they used a first round pick on this guy and things don't look like they're panning out. But, you know, after listening to you guys, there's there's still hope there. Uh, you know, saying that he's going to project pot potentially for a second, third line role. I mean, there, there's good players on this current Flyers roster who are playing on the third line. And I'm thinking about, you know, Scott Lawton, for, for example. Um, so... Playing on the, a third line, you know, you could be a very, very good player and play on the third line for a, an NHL team. So exciting stuff there for for Jay O'Brien, at least for me, listening to you guys. Uh, the next guy on my list here is, uh, I guess, a personal uh, favorite in 2017 fifth round pick Noah Cates. Uh, he announced recently that he'll return to the University of Minnesota Duluth for his junior season. Uh, as a sophomore, Cates excelled. He scored 14 goals and racked up 33 points in 34 games, improving in all scoring categories while playing in six less games. Uh, Manny, I'm sorry. Let me let's start with uh, Dan on this one. Dan, your thoughts on Noah Cates? I love Noah Cates. He's actually of the guys that you've brought up so, so far. He is my highest ranked prospect. I think that he's he's been able to stay healthy. He's done everything right. He won a national championship, I believe, with with Minnesota Duluth. Uh, his production has improved every year. He does everything right. He can play on the penalty kill. He can play on, play on the power play. He's 6'2". He's got a big frame. I, I love everything about Noah Cates. 
he's I think I had him as like number seven on my top 20 flyers prospect list. Uh-huh. I, 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 I really I, I like him a lot. Um, he's got a ton of skill. He's got a ton of grit. He's got a ton of tenacity. He's he's a slam dunk, in my opinion, to be a middle six NHL player. And I, I love the trajectory. I really just love everything about Cates. I think that, uh, yeah, I, I think that that he's he's low-key one of the better flyers for prospects that they have and that a lot of people probably don't know about, haven't talked about. So I, I think that, uh, and I think he's going back to college, right, for another season. But yes. I would expect I would expect that after that, uh, he might turn pro. So to this point, there you're talking about a fifth round pick. There, there's yeah. nothing not not to like about Noah Cates. Wow. Manny, thoughts on Noah Cates? Uh, well, Jim, you kind of took the words out of my mouth. He improved <laughs> in every scoring category uh, in six less games. And admittedly, uh, I haven't seen him very much. Um, he is a winger, is he not? Or is he center? Yes. I believe he's, winger. Yeah, he's a winger. winger. Um, he is definitely going back for his third year. Um, and I do think that, um, I know he's playing with his brother on the same team and, uh, you know what, Dan's absolutely right. Yeah. They did win the uh, frozen four last year and winning something like that and getting that experience is, uh, it's always huge. I, I like seeing, uh, when younger players have a bit of a track record in terms of being on, you know, solid teams, um, and, you know, producing and actually and competing and, and winning for things. It's always a good thing. I know that it's hard to judge players sometimes when they're on a, a really lousy team, but they end up having a really good year um, in spite of it. And that and that's, you know, you know, a great uh, piece of their personality as well. But uh, I keep I know that Twitter, we were talking a lot about Mike Richards the last couple of weeks. And, you know, that's a guy that won everywhere that he played. You know, and, and to me, like that's that's a warrior mentality. And I love guys like that. And if Noah Cates can continue to you know perform at uh, at uh, Minnesota Duluth and, and keep uh, a nice competitive team going there in that program, then all the power to him. You know, that's a great point you, you brought up there about him winning the Frozen Four. I mean, you bring up a guy with a winning mentality. It, it's it's a lot different, you know, when you're used to winning, you know, you bring that with you. You bring that winning mentality with you to the next level, wherever you go. And it's just something you become accustomed to. Um, so that's, that's a great point to bring up about Noah Cates. And correct me if I'm wrong, didn't he have a pretty solid uh, world junior a, a year or two ago? I think it was two years ago now. Yep. He, wasn't he pretty yeah. solid? He's an important member of that team. He played penalty kill. He played power play. He was the guy who, uh, as the tournament went on, the coach gained more confidence in him was the opposite of Jay O'Brien. As the tournament were on, the coach uh, basically relegated O'Brien to the bench. Noah Cates was out there late in games. He was out there in every situation. And that's, to me, where he really kind of blossomed as a prospect. Yeah, and you really can't have too many of those guys on a, on a, on a hockey team. You, you know, you really can't. If this year's Flyers, they kind of showed you that in, in having guys like Scotty Law and in you know, even even a guy like Michael Roffle or uh, a Kevin Hayes that can play in all situations. Uh, so yeah, you you can't have those guys are essential to to championship teams and and winning teams, I believe. So to get him in the fifth round is 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 really great. Uh, next on my list here, and we're gonna, you know, I'm gonna skip this guy for now. Let's move on to Michael Vorobiov and and just get him out of the way. 
We're going to start with uh, Manny here. I think a lot of fans want to get him out of the way too, <laughs> based on what, based on, based on the season that he's had. You know what? He's, he's up there with, uh, for me with Rupsov. Like he's a frustrating guy. Like he's got talent. You can see that he has talent. I think sometimes you question the desire and, and I think that that's part and parcel with him kind of getting, you know, making the club and then getting bounced down and then coming back up and then two games and then it's, you know, see you later, get down. Um, you know what? He was a guy that had a lot of promise. He had, uh, I, I don't know which world junior it was, but he was with Russia and he, he didn't score a goal, but he, he got 10 assists in that tournament. And he looked like a really solid playmaker. And I know that he's looked pretty good from, from what I've heard about people who watch the Phantoms a lot. They say that he's, he looks really good in the AHL, but for some reason he can't put it together in the NHL level. And I mean, maybe a part of it is just who he's going to be playing with and his role on the NHL club. But at the same time, he's, he's got to learn how to be more of a complete player. Like he, if he's playing in the top two on a scoring, you know, role with Lehigh Valley, he's not going to be getting that role with the Flyers and he's going to have to adapt and he's going to have to get out of his comfort zone a little bit. And he's going to have to kind of roll with those punches and, and kind of, you know, take some hits and try to give a few hits too. And, and I think that there's been a little bit of a reluctance there to really show that compete level to the point where he can stay consistently in the NHL. And you got to wonder if the, uh, if the Flyers brass is, is kind of seeing the same thing in the coaching staff. Interesting. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I'll make this brief. I agree hundred percent with what Manny said. He, he's been one of my favorite Flyers prospects in the past based on his, uh, I think it was 2017 in the world juniors. He led the entire tournament in assists um, playing between Kirill Kaprizov and maybe Denis Gurionov. Uh, and he's really, he was really good with the Phantoms uh, when he, but the problem is, is that he doesn't have the offensive talent to be a top two center in the NHL. Unfortunately, he also doesn't have the compete level from what I've seen to be a, a fourth line or maybe third line center in the NHL. So it's a tough spot because when you've got an you've got a fourth line, you've got an energy line out there. You want guys like Albe Bell or Bonneman who are going to go out there, skate their butts off, hit people, make things happen. And Vorobiev is more the kind of guy that he's a big body. He doesn't really hurt you defensively, but he needs to be surrounded by guys who can put the puck in the net because he's a very smart hockey player. He's a very good passer. But I don't know if that role is going to present itself to him in the NHL. So if, if he wants to, to become a consistent NHL player, I really think that he's he has to develop that grit and compete and grind level. And I'm just not sure that he has it in him at this point. And he's 23 years old. He's not getting any younger. He's had probably five opportunities with the Flyers. So I think that uh, I, I, I think that unfortunately it's time to probably move past him by the way he's not even a prospect anymore because he's played in 35 nhl games so he's yep. not a, a rookie anymore so he wasn't even eligible for my top 20 prospects list so i just i don't yeah i mean i i, I think that his days are probably numbered in this organization yeah i'm looking here between last year and this year 35 games played two goals and three assists for five points and wasn't one of them was his first goal that he scored was kind of a total ping pong. Fluke. 
Yeah, total fluke, right? Oh, total fluke, yeah. First game, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah first it game was. Of the season. Against San Jose or Anaheim or something. It was out west, I would yeah. say. Yeah, so for Obiev, and, and for me, he's kind of gotten to the point where it's just annoying every time I see him called back up. It's like, come on again. Like, how many, what, what more? I mean, I know they need a body, but like, how many times do you got to see this guy? Um, so it's, it's looking like, you know, AHL or potentially KHL for Vorobiev or Vorobiev, whatever. I mean, you could spell, you could say his name two different ways. Can't you? I'm seeing it. Vorobiev, Vorobiev. Yeah. Mikhail, Misha. Um, <laughs> you know what? The, the, the other thing too is, yeah, he's an RFA and, uh, you know, is he going to stick around? Is he going to get signed? I mean, as we alluded to earlier in the show, there's other kids coming. There's other draftees coming. They got to make room for some of them. You know, he might be an easy one to just say, see you later. Yeah. I don't know how to say see you later in Russian. But uh, <laughs> the, the other bad thing, though, is then you look at a guy's career like that, and it sucks to say, but with the oil price the way that it is now, that is going to have a huge effect on the KHL. Uh, it, it's going to have an effect on the Canadian teams, too, in the NHL. But a lot of those oligarchs are going to have to trade in their fish eggs for regular chicken eggs, if you know what I'm saying. The ruble doesn't do too good when the oil price uh, goes down and those teams lose boatloads of money and That's some really teams don't pay their guys. Some That's some it. teams just don't pay their guys and they, they end up folding. So they got to be careful. I, it's not really a great league to be in. I know that if you play for Ska St. Petersburg, it's awesome, but some I, of those I smaller if, teams. Do you think that we could see some, some Russian players kind of moving over to the AHL because of that? Yeah. I'm sorry, to the NHL? Yep. That would be interesting. I I saw Toronto just sign somebody recently. Uh, I can't remember. That could be for another day. But, yeah, that's a a really interesting point you just brought up there, Manny. I wonder if we could see some Russian players come over. You might see uh, a bit of an exodus from the KHL if – if yeah. some of these play- owners don't pay their players or if they kind of get the hint, the ruble gets a little bit of a beating uh, in the markets, then, yeah, I mean, the American dollar looks a lot safer, doesn't it? Yeah. Very interesting. I'm going to have to look into that a little bit more there. Uh, let's move on to a little bit more uh, of an exciting prospect, forward uh, prospect in 2019 second round pick, uh, Bobby Brink who is also returning to school for his sophomore season, uh, posted very solid numbers as a freshman this year at University of Denver, uh, scoring 11 goals and 24 points over the course of 28 games. Uh, Season was cut short. I believe he went down with an ankle injury. Uh, Dan, I know you're excited uh, to talk about Bobby Brink. Yeah, I mean, Bobby Brink is the first high upside offensive prospect that we've talked about on the show. I guess Wade Allison kind of counts, but he doesn't have the the offensive skill set that Bobby Brink does. And Brink's a guy I was so excited when the Flyers traded up and announced his name because a lot of us wanted them to take Cole Caulfield in the first round. They ended up taking uh, Cam York, which he looks like a very good prospect, but we kind of wanted that offensive flair type of guy, and they got it in Bobby Brink. I mean, honestly, he should have been a first-round pick he is extremely talented. The one knock on him was really was his skating, which he really worked to improve over the summer and in college. I mean, his he, he didn't look slow at all. Um, it wasn't even his first few steps are pretty good. And then it was kind of a matter of like once he got going, people had issues with his stride. But he improved on it a lot. And 
he just oozes offensive skill. I mean, you watch him play. He's got great awareness. Uh, he's going to be a terrific power play player. He, his, uh, his hockey IQ is off the charts. You're, it's probably not as high as like a Morgan Frost, who I'd put like his 100 on hockey IQ, but it's, it's close. And he's also a sniper. He's got a great one-timer. He's got a great slap shot. He's also kind of got that like it factor that you talk about. I mean, he scored some huge OT goals in the USHL last year in 2018-19. And as you mentioned, as a freshman, he put up almost a point a game pace with the University of Denver, which is really impressive. I think that he's still he's a little bit raw. He's not as polished as some other prospects. Like he he put up, you know, he scored a goal and had an assist for in the World Juniors for the US team. There were some guys who, for example, Nick Robertson, who the Maple Leafs took in the second round after Brink, is probably the prospect whose stock has risen the most over the past year. And he just looked incredible in the in the World Juniors. Um, Brink didn't look quite as polished, but he still he just has a ton of offensive upside. And he's a guy that uh, I think that Flyers fans will, will really like. I think it's good he's going back to school because he's, again, not as polished as a guy like Farabee was uh who came out after his freshman season but yeah brink's got the potential to be a second line nhl winger uh who who will play on a top power play unit manny thoughts on bobby brink uh for me i know everybody loves wade allison and i mean hey i like him too but uh i actually think that brink i put brink ahead of allison for me um allison is more of a sledgehammer um, and for me, Brink is like a scalpel. He's surgical. You know, he's creative. Um, he can carry the puck in the offensive zone. He's got his head up. He's always looking to make a play. He's got awareness in that offensive zone. Uh, he is going to be a good power play player. Um, and I think, yeah, Dan's got to hit, hit the nail on the head. Uh, you know what? He should be a second line winger uh, at the NHL level in the future. I mean, 23 points in 27 games, uh, 11 goals. Uh, I know that he had that little scary injury that kind of scared everybody with his knee when he fell awkwardly. Um, I think it was probably about a month and a half ago, maybe. It feels it feels like a year ago. I know, but, with, uh, with all the stuff going on, yeah. But uh, yeah, he had that scary injury, and thank goodness it wasn't as bad as uh, as people had kind of feared. They kind of feared a, you know, a tear of some kind. But um, yeah, I mean, I think the sky's the limit for this guy. Um, he definitely looks good. He's not the biggest uh, guy in the world, but he, he knows how to get to areas like, and he knows, he knows the spots where the puck's kind of going to go, going to go. He's got good anticipation. He's got good instincts. You can't really teach instincts. Um, I think some teams were, were surprised that he fell to the second round. And I think that he was one of those guys that GMs kind of thought, oh, yeah, don't worry. He's, we're going to be up there and, and we're going to grab him with our next pick. And then once the Flyers got him, I think a lot of teams are disappointed because, yeah, a lot of people were shocked that he wasn't in the first round. But you got to love him, eh? Because his middle name is Orr. <laughs> and, and so Bobby Orr Brink. I mean, how do you how are you not a good player with that? And apparently, I know. And apparently, I think it was Bob McKenzie uh, from TSN who said that when he was born, his dad couldn't decide between Orr and Clark for Bobby Clark. Get so out imagine, of here, really? imagine Bobby Clark Brink. <laughs> That's classic right there. Um, I want to ask you guys, because there was a lot of people out there who wanted 
Cole Caulfield in the first round last year. And, you know, rightfully so. He's a, a you know, proven sniper, a very good goal scorer. Does, does the selection of Bobby Brink kind of, you know, Dan, were you, I feel like maybe you were a Caulfield guy. If I can remember going back to last summer, does, does the selection of Bobby Brink kind of, you know, make the choice of Cam York over Caulfield more okay for you? Does that make yeah, sense? For sure. Yes, no, for sure that makes sense. I think that I think a lot of us were hoping that they were going to take Caulfield. And again, we're you know Cam York's a really good prospect. We'll talk about him on a future show. But um, taking Brink, trading up to get him, mitigates the 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 blow of not getting Caulfield. I still wish they'd taken Caulfield. I mean, he had a really good freshman year. I think he's he just a really good hockey player who's going to yeah. score a lot of points in the NHL. But um, but yeah, the fact that they took Brink, I think, really lessened the blow of not getting Caulfield. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, since we're talking Brink and Caulfield here, uh, Caulfield in his freshman season at Wisconsin, 36 points, 36 games, 19 goals. Uh, as mentioned, Brink had 24 points, 28 games. Caulfield was playing with Alex Turcott, I believe, for most of the season, if not the entire season. I can't think off the top of my head who who Brink was playing with over at uh, in Denver. Do, do either of you guys remember? I think he might have been playing with uh, Emilio Pedersen, who's a draft pick with the Calgary Flames, who's actually okay. um, a, a pretty good player. Okay. Um, I'm trying he to, was uh, point per game. He was 35 and 35. Okay, wow. Yeah, I think he was. I think he was playing with Emilio Pedersen on that top line. I, I, I think. So I was going to try to make an argument there that you know Brink maybe playing with a lesser uh, talent on a top line, you know, for uh, Turcotte and Caulfield is pretty much as good as it gets. Certainly argue that the Wisconsin power play with uh, Keandre Miller, Flyers prospect Wyatt Kalinuk, uh, Turcotte was probably a more prolific power play unit to play on than the Denver power play is what I yeah. what I think you could make that argument yeah okay yeah I think overall people were a little disappointed in the Badger season they kind of looked like they had the pieces there to make a real run but didn't really get it done so I, I think a lot of people were thinking that a lot of those guys were going to return next year and really go for it but uh, you know what? When you when you score seventy some odd goals in your you know draft year, when you come out with nineteen, and even though he he, he had a decent enough uh, year in college, people are kind of always you know a little bit taken aback by that. But nothing wrong with Cole Caulfield. I was a I was a Cole Caulfield guy myself, and you know it, I think the thing that got everybody was when. Uh, when when they went up to the podium and said from the U.S. National Development <laughs> Program, and I was already yeah. out of my seat, and then when they said, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, here it is, and then, Cam York, and I was just like stunned. <laughs> I was just stunned. That still gets I was me a little, time. I was a little, little drunk that night, and I was <laughs> recording it. I was recording it, and yeah, I let out a, a yelp when they said from the U.S. Development Program, and then it was like, what the fuck? Do you have this recording? I, I posted on Twitter that night. Did you really? How did I not see some, Somewhere, yeah, yeah. I'm going to yeah. dig this up. I'm going to have to tag it with yeah. the show tonight. It yeah, was almost as bad. It was almost as bad as uh, Ron Hextall, uh, sorry, uh, Bobby Clark forgetting Claude Giroux's name. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's just classic flyers right there, isn't it? Yep. Yeah. freaking captain of your team for the next 10, 15 years, and you forget his name. Uh. Next on the list, and this is a guy that I'm 
another guy that I'm kind of intrigued with. And Manny, I'll send this guy to you because he comes from the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, uh, plays for the Victoriaville Tigers, Igor Serduk. Did I say that right? Yeah. All right, close Sir enough. Serduk. Okay. 510. 159 pounds, 18 years old, 2019, six-round pick. What can you tell us about Igor? He started the season really well. <laughs> he was like a goal-scoring machine. I think in the first 10 games, he had like eight goals or something ridiculous. I think he had like one assist. So it was one of those odd stat sheet anomalies where you see somebody racking up goals but have no assists. Um, and then he got hurt. And, you know, he looked like he was going to easily surpass his uh, previous year's uh, stats uh, with Victoriaville. But, um, you know what? Mysterious lower body injury. Um, I never really got a sense of what it actually was. Um, I've heard hamstring. I've heard knee. I've heard all kinds of things. But um, he missed a good chunk of the season. He missed at least five consecutive weeks there. Um, maybe even six. And I know it was serious enough that the Flyers actually, the Flyers doctors actually wanted to take a look at him. So he had to travel to Philadelphia to get uh, their opinion on what to do. Um, I know that in terms of an update, um, Sergiuk had been saying that it was, the, the injury was still bothering him and he never quite, you know, got back to what he was doing in that first month or so of the season. Um, it kind of felt bad for the guy because, you know, you look at it and he was kind of not on the top line anymore. Um, he is small. I wouldn't call him a fast player, but I, don't, I wouldn't say slow. But the thing is, he's methodical. Like he kind of knows you kind of see like a scrum in the corner and the puck squirts out and he's kind of right there. Like he knows where the puck's going to go and he's good at making those kinds of decisions. So he's got a, a good brain. And, and for a sixth round pick, I mean, you can't really go wrong with a pick like that. I was just a little bit uh, concerned with the injury, and uh, I, I'm pretty sure that he avoided surgery. Um, but again, hopefully he can come back next season and, and improve on his totals. I'm just trying to get his totals. I think it was 40 points. Uh, this in, season he finished, yeah, with 40 points, yeah. Yeah, it was 40 points in, I've got all my articles here. I've got one coming out tomorrow. It was 40 points in, I think it was 50 games. Correct. Yeah, something like that. Um, so, I mean, you figure he was on a torrid pace at the beginning of the year, and then he ended up with 16 goals, which, again, it's not terrible, but expected more from him, definitely. Yeah, I mean, if you're just looking at stats here, which I would assume, you know, most of us being average fans or, you know, if we're not really paying attention to prospects like you guys are, you know, you look at numbers here, and the kid's playing in 13 less games this year, but his goal production's down, his assist production's down, his points are down by 25. It looks like there could be something wrong. And if, you know, I was unaware that there was an injury, uh, come to find out he's coming all the way down to Philly to see what's wrong. And I, maybe it's just me, but I, I, don't, I don't hear of too many prospects from, you know, other leagues coming to Philly to get looked at by the flyer doctor. So... Must have been something pretty serious. Um, Dan, do you have any thoughts on Igor Sherjuk? I'm going to butcher that one. You, you know, I, I honestly, I really, I really don't. Um, I didn't really get a chance to watch him play that much this year. Again, his numbers just not, not don't really jump off the page at you. Sixth round pick, kind of smaller kid. 
I didn't have him in my top 20 prospects list. Um, so I just, uh, you know, I don't, I don't really have a lot to say about him quite honestly. Okay. Yeah, that's cool. He's, um, uh, He's a guy, just one quick thing for Serjuk. He's a lot like Jay O'Brien, where you sit there and you go, you know, he was really starting to get hot. And I wanted to see what would happen at the end of the season with this guy when it was all said and done. Um, like, he had a game. I don't remember who it was against. I don't know, it was Bayi Como or something. But he scored the game-tying goal with, like, 20 seconds left. And they're fighting for a playoff spot. So they're, like, in the last wild card spot. There's teams all around them. He, he scores a tying goal. They do the five-minute overtime. It's still scoreless. It goes to the shootout. He's the hero of the shootout. He scores the winner. And the look on his face and, and like almost like I'm back. Like I'm getting my mojo back. And then, you know, we're looking a couple weeks later. The seasons are canceled and nothing's going on. And, you know, that was a real chance for that guy to get some momentum. And he's going to have to wait until next year now, like everybody else. Oh, man. That... I can't believe like what's happening, and then it really—it's looking more and more like it may never, may not come back until next next season. Now, um, go. I'm, I'm between two guys here. I can't find what I wanted to look up on one, so I'm going to transition to 2016 second round pick, 36th overall, the one and only Pascal LeBerge. Damn, we could start with you first. So LeBears is a guy who a lot of people were angry they didn't take Alex to Brincat at the time. And yeah. those people were probably right. But, you know, listen, a lot of teams passed on Alex to Brinkett. Um, LeBears has got a lot of talent. He's got a good frame. But the problem happened the year that he was drafted. He got one of the worst hits I've ever seen um, in hockey at any level. He just got absolutely drilled up high, concussed was out for, I believe, the rest of the season. Um, really just was never the same when he came back, and it's taken him a long time to, I don't know, even approach the kind of potential that you would expect from a second-round pick. This year, he actually did pretty well. I mean, he, he in the ECHL, which is like a double-A league, uh, he, he put up 12 points in 24 games. But what he did in the AHL was even more impressive. He put up seven goals in 23 games. You know, we talked about Rupsov had two goals in 40 games. Uh, LeBear's, you know, put up, put up some numbers. He's 21 years old. It would be a great story if, you know, he'd be able to come back from that hit that he had and, and make the NHL someday, which he might do. But just another guy that I, I didn't have him in my top 20 Flyers prospect list just because there's a lot of, questions and concerns about them and i think there's some some other guys who have a better path to making an impact with the flyers as a pro and i just i don't see it happening for LeBerge. Uh, that uh, and I, he's one of those guys I, I really wanted to pan out for because i don't know what it is about him but i i, I want to see him do well and it, it just doesn't he, he was he spent time with Redding this year on on a not great Phantoms team. You know what I mean? Uh, so I'm I'm kind of bummed out about that a little bit. And maybe it's because he ditched us during the uh, off season to come on a uh, HW or whatever. So he's probably getting what he deserves. I'm uh, just kidding. Uh, Manny, your thoughts on Pascal Laberge? Yeah, 
I mean, he's he's another guy that was kind of underwhelming considering where he was selected. And, you know, you look at some of the team's second round picks in, in recent years and Labirge is definitely uh, on the on the lower end of that one, if not at the bottom. Um, you know, 12 points in 24 games with the Reading Royals. Um, had a tough time uh, when he got up to the AHL. I think he got a couple of the ends this year, but again, it, this is a guy that's having a tough time sticking around. And, and as Dan said, you know what? The concussion really uh, derailed him. Uh, that was uh, things were really trending upward for him, and that concussion just set him back. And I know he's had other injuries that he's had to deal with, with you know, hip surgery and and other things. And yeah, he's he's a guy that you definitely want to see more of. And uh, hopefully next year he can get a bit of an expanded role, uh, only not in Reading, but in Lehigh Valley. Yeah, and I really I really would like to see him spend more time with Lehigh, especially with some of these young some of these other guys coming up and and Allison and Lazinski and, and whoever else winds up on the team. You know, there's there's a bunch of guys that you really want to see take a jump next year with the Phantoms. And, and Rupsov's another guy that comes to mind. Um, the last guy on our list tonight, and, you know, maybe we want to see a jump from him as well, in Matthew Strom. Manny, we can, we can start with you this time. I mean, listen, goal scoring has never been an issue with Matthew Strom, certainly not in the OHL with the Hamilton Bulldogs. Um, the thing with him has always been skating, which is it's kind of something that's uh, you hear a lot about with young players, you know, got to work on his skating. But it's weird. Like he he kind of lumbers around out on the ice, but he still manages to put the puck in the net. Um, so he happens to be in the right place at the right time. Um but again, he's he's a guy that uh, he's with the Reading Royals. You know what? Nine goals in 25 games. So he's he's having a bit of uh, an adjustment in his first uh, pro season. But he got 20 points. So he's uh, approaching a point per game. And uh, I've heard that the skating has improved. Um, I don't think it's improved enough to the point where, you know, he could be consistent at the AHL level, but uh, kind of the same thing. I mean, he, he has that family pedigree with the Stroms and they're actually from, uh, I believe they're from my, my city here. Oh, wow. Dylan Strom, Matthew Strom, Ryan Strom. I think they're from Mississauga, just yes. outside of Toronto. And um, you know what? You want to see them do well, but uh, I think that Matthew is always kind of pegged as, you know, the third of the three. So um, hopefully we can see some more improvement. 20 points in 25 games ain't too shabby, uh, but definitely want to see him make that uh, that jump to the AHL and uh, and start potting some goals up there. Yeah, I'd like to see that as well. Uh, Dan, thoughts on Matthew Strom? I mean, you know, he's another guy that didn't make my top 20 prospects list. I mean, I just think the Flyers have some better forward prospects with a better chance to make the team. Strom is not a very good skater, as has already been mentioned. That's kind of like saying it kindly. It, he, I'm sure he's tried to work on it, but it just hasn't really panned out. I mean, he at the AHL level, he scored two goals in 19 games this season. So there is a point where his lack of uh, skating ability impacts his ability to, to put pucks in the net. And, yeah, I mean, I, I just – I he's a guy that, that I – considering maybe he's got an angel career somewhat other than than with the flyers but i just there's too many good forward prospects with this organization and too many good already established nhl players that i i don't think that strome 
has got a future with the Flyers. Well, and for whatever reason, that kind of amazes me. Because if you think back, you know, even just a couple of years ago, before Ron Hextall took over, even in my entire life, we've never really, and I'll speak for myself here, I've never looked at, oh, who's coming through the pipeline for the Flyers? It's, it was always, who are they going to go out and sign? Who are they going to go out and get, right? And here we are in, what are we in now? Basically, April, we're still in March. March 31st, 2020, and we're sitting here talking about how the Flyers don't have enough room for, you know, who, who a, a kid who once scored 37 goals in the OHL. You know, it's just, it's kind of blowing my mind a little bit how much depth this this team has in the pipeline. And it goes through the Phantoms into into the, the Reading Royals, into, you know, the college hockey teams. And, and uh, you know, even overseas, we didn't really talk about too many guys playing in uh, the Swedish leagues and the Russian leagues and whatnot. But the, the Flyers are, are loaded with talent in the pipeline. And the NHL roster... I mean, they're they're in second place when everything went down, right? I don't know, guys. There's there's yep. so much to be excited about out. with this Flyers team now and and in the future. And last night, I, I forget who mentioned it, but you know, we could be seeing. And I, I'm gonna knock on wood because they haven't won one yet. But I, I like Dan. I know that you're with me on this. Like, you just feel that they're gonna win something. If not, I mean, you know, this year, who knows when? But Next year kind of feels like it's almost got to be their year, right? Because everything's going to come together at the right time. And and just talking about prospects and how deep this team is, like it has to, it has to happen within the next three to five years, if not next year, right? Yeah, I mean, we we talked about this, I think, on uh, like DM on Twitter, fair amount, Jim. Like we, you know, we this before the season, you know, I made healthy wagers on the flyers over under and on them winning the division i didn't bet them to win the cup because i or make the finals because i just thought that you know they're maybe a year away the way they're playing right now they're clearly a stanley cup contender um i think a lot of it has to do with how phil myers and travis sandheim really uh stepped up as the second pairing both of those guys have to me top pairing potential and i think that that made a big difference and then the way that some of the younger guys have progressed and you know, guys like Scott Lawton have stepped up and obviously Kenny becoming a first line player and Carter Hart becoming the goalie that, that we all kind of hope that he would. And there's still a lot of upside there. But, yeah, this team clearly has the potential to win the Stanley Cup. If the NHL resumes this summer, they could win the Cup next year. I will be playing them to win the Cup next year. I, I think that next year everything will probably come together with this team with the perfect mix of veterans and rookies. So, yeah, I mean, I have I have no doubts. I mean, you know, we didn't even talk about the guy who to me is their top forward prospect in the system is Morgan Frost. And obviously some people might not consider him a prospect because he did get some NHL time, but he is just abundantly talented. And I'd expect him. I still think he could be third line center for this team and put up pretty good numbers. Um, and, and they've just got, you know. Well, let's talk about to, Morgan Frost a little bit more. We can, we can wrap up with uh, with Frost. Yeah, I mean, he's he's my runaway number one prospect for the Flyers. I mean, he's just such a sublimely talented offensive player, and he put up big numbers for the Phantoms this year. Look, it's it's tough for 
I've got to move my cat so that I can get to my computer <laughs> and pull up the uh, the the numbers for Frost this year. AV. But it's it's tough. It's it's tough for a young kid to you know first year pro and Frost uh, you know put up some really good numbers. I mean he had basically 30 points in 40 games games for the phantoms with the look for the flyers he played in 20 games he scored seven points like that's really good for a 20 year old his first goal was an absolute thing of beauty and the thing about frost is that i've drawn a lot of comparisons to claude Giroux because from an offensive talent standpoint i'm telling you he is just as much offensive talent as claude Giroux, and his hockey iq is a 100 out of 100 on the power play at even strength he makes passes that nobody else on the ice, nobody else watching the game could even conceive of anyone trying to do. That's just the way that his mind works when he's when he's playing hockey. And not quite as, you know, physically polished as a guy like, uh, in terms of the way that he plays, a guy like Faraby um, is probably, you know, Faraby's a little bit better on the penalty kill. He's a little bit more of a 180-foot player, which is why Faraby, who's a year younger than Frost, um, a little more successful in the NHL this season, but I still think that Frost was good when he was up, and he just has, he, to me, he's got 80-point NHL potential, first-line player, power play monster, um, and uh, some people were kind of talking like his season so far this year was a disappointment. I totally disagree. Uh, I, I think that he was good at the NHL level, and nothing that happened this year diminished my thoughts on his potential, if anything, the way that he played in his in his NHL stint told me that basically backed up everything I thought about him. And so I just I, I think he's oozes offensive talent and he's gonna be a guy putting up big big numbers for this team for many years to come. Totally uh agree with that. And Manny, you wanna give your final thoughts here on Morgan Frost? Oh, sorry there, Jim. I was just looking at the weather report. It's a little chilly. There's a chance of frost going outside. But um, no, I mean, listen, he is easily the top prospect in the system, um, certainly from the offensive side, but overall as well. You won't get you know anybody uh, really put anybody else ahead of him. Um, you know, he started out gangbusters when he was, you know, on the flyers with, you know, two, scoring in two straight games. And and they were nice goals, too. Um, he did slow down. Um, he still could play, and certainly on the offensive side of the puck, he could. I think the bigger concern is about, you know, the board battles and just anticipating a little bit more at the at, at a faster level, at the AHL level compared to juniors. Um, watching him with Sault Ste. Marie, those two years in a row where he broke 100 points, I mean, there was a game where he was just absurd. He scored five goals. And like, he looked like a man just playing against boys. Like he was on another level. Um, his hockey pedigree is there. His dad was the, you know, a longtime radio anchor for rock station Q107 here in Toronto. And I remember I used to go to uh, club 107 back. Well, young kids don't know about going to clubs, but uh, <laughs> I used to love going to the rock night and actually Andy Frost, uh, Morgan's dad was the DJ and I'd always after a few beers always ask him like dude I got a request you know play ACDC or something and he didn't ever end up playing it but uh, he was always a nice guy and uh, he ended up being the uh, the goal announcer for you know the Toronto Maple Leafs so he's hung around Maple you know the Air Canada Centre or now Scotiabank Arena uh, you know with a big club and, and hanging around with his dad and 
you know what? It's there and it's going to be there. He just needs a little bit more time. I, I know that, uh, I know that people made a big deal about him making the AHL All-Star game, but I think that was a little bit more due to the fact of his name and and his pedigree and the expectations surrounding him. Um, He really hadn't spent that much time uh, down there. Uh, But still, he's definitely going to be a player. He's definitely, you know, first-line kind of player. Uh, If not, he'll be, you know, one of the top second-line centers in the league. Uh, He can move to the wing if need be. Uh, I kind of want to see him at center, but obviously we'll see what happens with the development of the other players. But listen, top-notch talent, and uh, no question, he's got the brain, the skill, and the talent. Uh, We'll see if he can round out uh, the rest of his game uh, to make the team next year. Fully expect it. He's he's one of those guys as well that, not not that he's in danger of getting moved anywhere, but, you know, the Phantoms are going to be chocked full with, fresh talent next year and you know he's not that he's getting pushed out of the phantoms but you kind of really want him to make the flyers next year i think and you know there's a spot for him on the team albeit on the third potentially second line he's he's kind of one of those guys you can maybe move him up and down the lineup a little bit but uh i think i do expect him to make the team next year uh if he does or not, you know, we'll see. I don't think it would be a bad thing if he played a couple games with the Phantoms as well. Uh, and it's not to even say my expectations are going to be higher for him next year. It's just I would like to see him more with the Flyers next season. I think this season was was the season where he was going to go back and forth. Next year, it's kind of like, okay, let's make the jump, at least for me. But, you know... Uh, Great stuff tonight, guys. I, I know, Dan, you still got to eat dinner, so I'm going to try to wrap this up here. Uh, a lot of fun. First ever episode of The Flying P. Uh, we'll be back next episode with Alex Appleyard and Brandon Holmes for episode number two. Uh, Dan, where can people find you on Twitter? And if they want to find your top 20 prospect list, where can they find that when it comes out? So on Twitter, you can throw me a follow at dsilver88. And then uh, we're actually uh, in the process, I believe, of moving the servers for philliesflyer.com. So ultimately, that's probably where you'll be able to find my top 20 prospects piece when it comes out. But uh, right now, I don't think that uh, I'm not even sure if this site's up. I get to check. But um, but it'll be out somewhere in the uh, within the next month, I would say, my top 20 prospects list. I've got the list already. Uh, just uh, uh, working on somewhere to put it up. Cool. Cool. Well, make sure when that comes out and make sure, you know, it gets out to as many people as possible. And uh, Manny, I'm sorry, Dan, real quick. If, if you guys aren't listening to Dan already on, on Getting Bullied, make sure you uh, head, head on over there and give them a listen. Uh, you, you can't use, you don't have time as an excuse now. I mean, we got nothing else to do but listen to Flyer Podcasts, right? All the time in the world, right? Yeah. Uh, so, Manny, you're on Brotherly Pod with uh, my angry negative co-host. Uh, you do some great work for them over on, uh, on Brotherly Puck. Uh, so if, if you guys aren't following Manny on Twitter yet, Manny, where can they find you at? Uh, it's at Manny, M-A-N-N-Y, Benavidez, B-E-N-E-V-I-D-E-S. And, of course, yeah, all the articles are on at uh, brotherlypuck.com and uh, Brotherly Pod. We've got BPW Radio with uh, Steve and Dan, the Flyer fan. 
absolutely give those guys a listen uh, out there. I mean, it, it's just, it's a great show, very entertaining. Uh, man, I love listening to you, dude. Very insightful, informative. Dan, you as well. I mean, I couldn't pick two two better guys to do the first episode of the Flying P, uh, an HW prospect show. Had a lot of fun with you guys tonight. Yeah, this was great. I mean, thanks a lot, Jim, Manny. This was uh, this is a lot of fun. Happy to come on it anytime. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I I hope that the Flyers can resume this summer because I think that uh, this team was gonna was set to have a nice little playoff run. Same here. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's almost like such a void because there's that what if, what could have been, and I hate that. I like closure and finalizing stuff. <laughs> and I just, you know what? If they go in and you know what, they get beat in the first round. What we you know, what, so be it. But I just want to see playoff hockey. Damn it. And by all means, guys, stay safe, you and your families and your loved ones. Uh, everyone you know, please stay safe in this terrible time. You Definitely. too, guys. Everybody stay inside. Be safe. Nobody go out. Definitely don't get sick. Don't get your parents sick. And uh, you'll be able to listen to episode two pretty soon. Thanks for listening. Thank you guys for hanging out. And we'll talk soon.